Welcome to the Liberty Experts Podcast, where all your liberty questions are answered, discussed, and debated by experts. Now, here are your liberty experts, Tim Moen and David Birnbaum. Hey, Tim. How's it going? Hey, David. It's going fantastic, man. I'm just, uh, you know, loving life in my little bubble here. Devoid of any joy or meaning. I think this might be the last podcast I come from Florida, uh, so I'll have to. Next time I'll be I'll be stuck in quarantine in Niagara Falls, probably. Oh, um, oh what? It, that's quite the demotion. I was in Vegas, Nashville, Miami Beach, Niagara Falls, <laughs> Canada's equivalent, right? It's a tourist destination, right? So. Yeah. Um, so today I wanted to talk about like the experience I had as a manager, because we'd done episodes in the past about mentees and mentors. Like I was, you know, thinking about, okay, how do I make sure I manage these people effectively? And I won't get into details of like the, you know, the working, like of, of the two uh, employees I had in particular, but the, the method I ended up employing worked really, really well, I think. And so I'd be interested in your thoughts on it. And I'm actually when I get around to it, planning to reach out to the University of Waterloo and put it forward as a proposal of, especially for like first or second time interns, I think it is extremely, uh, an extremely valuable approach. And it's sort of just the whole time I just tried to be focused on like a shared value relationship. And because of that, like, and really helping them understand what that means, how they should know why I value them and what they value in the job just focusing on that consistently really changed, like really set um, us up for success, I felt, um, and really helped the the one who was on her first term develop like exceptionally quickly as an employee and, and, and as like a professional worker. So right. basically what happened is first and foremost, like it, we sort of had three phases uh, of the sort of working relationship and they like, you know, they each were, lasted about five, six weeks. Um, the first phase was about like them getting comfortable and understanding the working environment, how to work with me. And so it was sort of more task oriented. Right. So it was a more traditional working relationship. They came in. We agreed upon, you know, what their tasks would be. And they were then set to work. But the whole time I was trying to encourage them to take a bit of ownership by understanding the values at stake when we were talking really focusing on the dynamic of the relationship and making sure we could communicate effectively. Um, and so that was the sort of more traditional workplace. Okay, they're my subordinate and they do the tasks they have to do. They report to me and that sort of thing. And I really focused on them being comfortable that they could like, you know, put themselves forward, put forward ideas and that sort of thing. So the, the focus was totally on like establishing their comfort with me, with the work, and that sort of thing. Once I felt that they were comfortable, uh, you know, halfway through, we then sort of shifted into them being now the owner. And I basically renegotiated the working relationship with them. And I said, look, this is your co-op. You actually care more about your success than I do. I care about the stuff you're work Like, I care about your success as a person, but the work you're doing is less important than all of the work I'm doing or else I would do it, right? right? And so I had to make them understand that the work is valuable to them, but the work's not necessarily valuable to me. Their development is valuable to me. 
And so they have to understand the difference and they have to make it clear to me when they're impeded in their development and if I need to help them with the work for that reason. And I really- development uh, important to you? Well, because I think that's sort of a responsibility I take on as a co-op employer in particular. But I also think that's sort of my, that's my orientation to the world generally right? I care most about the people, the people in my life, I care most about their development, right? Like that's why I engage in relationships with people is so we can both help each other be the best people we can be, not for any specific task. Like I have people I've worked with on like 10 different tasks. I just like working with them as people, as individuals. I think the person is so much more important than any specific skill set they have or any specific um, task they're working on. And so, and that's how, you know, they become effective to me. I don't want to have, I want to trust them to do the work without much feedback. And so I really sort of shifted the focus and challenged them on owning what they were working on. And so we sort of shifted gears from them being my subordinate to me being their subordinate on the agreed upon tasks, right? It's their responsibility to get this done and to leverage me to the degree they need. But I also made it clear that, you know, at the end of the term, you're the one who cares about your co-op evaluation. You're the one who needs to make sure that you are meeting my expectations, that you know what my expectations are, and you meet or exceed them. Because you care about this more than I do, right? And that's just, that's just a fact, right? And, but to be honest about that, and it worked really well, and they took on that ownership role, um, and then basically the relationship shifted and I felt already because I, if I had thrown them just into that role in the beginning, especially as like a first time, some first time employee and this sort of thing, people might be uncomfortable when they might not be confident in stepping forward. So I made sure they had the comfort with me first and they felt efficacious in the role and in the company before then shifting them to a more leadership position but within only like a you know three month period. And then they, they did quite well in that position. So then for the final phase for the last like six weeks, we shifted again to, okay, you've now established yourself. You've now established yourself as someone able to take ownership. Now I'm going to not like support you in the ownership. I'm going to push you, right? How much can you succeed in the next six weeks? How much can you accomplish? So it was, again, supporting as a subordinate, supporting as a leader, and then pushing as a leader. Like, no, we need to drive. We need to see how much can you actually get done. And by the end, I was so impressed with this person. And and I think, you know, they were very pleased. And and they said it set them up for a lot of success in their future co-ops because now they're going into them with a mindset of, how they can be an active owner of their own work, how they can think and contribute to the organization as a whole, not just be a cog in the machine, but be the person who has the ideas, who drives forward their own agenda, who knows my performance matters more to me than any of my superiors. I need to drive this forward. And it was really interesting. And like, I didn't like have this planned out in advance. I just kept trying to focus on the value orientation. How do I make sure like this person gets as much value out of me as possible. And how do I ensure that 
like the the relationship is as valued as possible. And so it was really interesting. I'm I'm interested. I mean, I was just like super happy <laughs> that I think it like really worked out well. And you could sort of systematize this as a training right. program because most people I know within four months of any position, not just a paid position, they do not have like unless they come in with this sort of ownership orientation, they don't yeah. get it. But this yeah. three step process really helped them achieve it. Um, now, which you, was said, interesting. you said it worked for one of them, but uh, mixed results with the other. Or? Yeah, mixed results with the other. Um, I don't want to get into it because yeah. like, it's not appropriate. But no. um, the other one was also uh, like I, I don't necessarily think this can work for everyone. And I don't think right. necessarily everyone is uh, like a full ownership type either. But, uh, you know, I think you could really also if you if you have if a company or an organization has this setup you can identify at each stage okay is this person developing do they go to the next stage or not i had a lot of other stuff going on so i couldn't or i didn't like do that appropriately right because mm-hmm. i also i personally only really like working with people who are really self owners because in my view like if i have to tell you what to do i may as well do it myself right um but I think if you sort of break it up and have a clear delineation like that, you can basically, after six weeks, you can say, okay, no, you're still in this module. You're not going to the self-ownership module. Yeah. Okay. No, you know, the, what you articulated kind of describes my approach to mentorship um, of like uh, paramedic students, let's say, where, you know, they, they come onto my ambulance. They're essentially interns, right? And they have to get through this period of internship and demonstrate competencies and stuff like that before they can move on and graduate. And, you know, they're obviously nervous, you know, it's bad enough that they have to try to apply their book knowledge to the real world. Now, they also have uh, a crew of people looking over their shoulder, judging it their every move, right? And it's, it can feel quite daunting. And it, it, it can be tough for them to get in the moment and start actually applying their knowledge and trying to work their problem solve with that amount of pressure on them. So, you know, the first little bit is all about me creating a safe space for them to make mistakes. And I, and I, I tell them, I said, I want to see you making mistakes of commission rather than mistakes of omission. In other words, I want to see you get in there and get messy and make all the mistakes you can. I'm here as a safety net. I'm not going to let you do anything dangerous. I'm going to bail you out if you go down the wrong path. I'm going to correct you if you do something wrong. But I want to see you making mistakes. Now is the time to make mistakes. The faster you make mistakes and learn, the better it is for you. And I'm not going to think badly of you for making mistakes. Believe me, this is part of the learning process. So I, I really try to set this the the environment of this is safe. You This is you for you to play and work on this towards the middle of the practicum, you know, we switch and say, okay, um, I'm going to step back more now and you're just going to, you know, uh, you, you're apply your competencies and we're just going to see that you can be a competent person. Then, you know, the last couple tours, I'm like, okay, if, if they're achieving basic competencies and I'm comfortable with them, then I'm like, okay, now I'm going to push you. We're going to step things up. We're going to take things outside of what you learned in class and you're going to learn how to be a leader on this call and you're going to knock things out of the park so that when you get out there in the real world and it's you and your partner and you're the responsible person on that ambulance, you're going to feel completely comfortable taking charge and and controlling resources and dictating people around. And yeah, that works fairly well. Um, you know, for most 
for most people. Um, you know, what, what doesn't work well is when they come in and right on, at the start of the mentorship relationship, you say, okay, um, sink or swim, I'm going to see how you do. And I'm going to be judging you the whole time. And, um, you know, uh, like if you don't meet up, you know, I have no problem failing you. Is, and, and, you know, you, you can see <laughs> two very different types levels of performance uh, from those two different mentorship or leadership styles, right? Um, and then I would say that, yes, there, there's also, again, the formula doesn't always work for everyone because there are some people who just want to be employees, right? And you can tell these pe people are like, just tell me what I got to do and I'll do it. Just tell me what do I got to do to get my paycheck. What do I got to do to get my grade? What do I got to do to get through this practicum? Just tell me what I need to do. Give me the list. Give me the steps. What you want to see from me? No, I don't like want those. I'll act like your your robot, and I'll yeah. get it done, right? And and then they're you know, <laughs> so so. You know, I, I've spent a lot of capital in the past because as a business owner in the past, again, you know, I had this mobile DJ business. Um, for a while where I'd have like up to five people going out at a time with doing simultaneous mobile like DJ gigs at Christmas parties and different things and Halloween parties and um, pop, we were a popular business and there were some people and, and my goal was always to get them to be essentially owners like the way I looked at it like they owned that night I took they, they got half the cut and I got half the cut I provided the equipment and booked the gig and they did that so I paid them quite well I mean they would get like 500 bucks a night to just sit there and play music basically and and do things the 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 way that I had you know I had a little formula about how to build up energy about how to capture the crowd things you could say on the mic um, you know different segments of the program and how to split it up and how to deal with this and that so they, they got their training and they did things the way I wanted to uh, wanted them to that was a proven formula for success but the ones that went the extra mile and found their own style and, and like elevated the game even more, those are the ones that really made me money. Those are the ones that caused me to get more and more bookings um, and have to expand, right? And then there, and, and those are the, and so I, what I would try to do with all of them is give them that ownership mentality and, and try to make them owners because then they would treat my equipment better. They would, you know, perform better at the gigs. They would be more conscientious, all those things. They felt like they owned it. But some people just would never get it, right? And they, they just, you couldn't get them. And the best they could be, to be was competent employees. Um, and, and so, you know, those are the people I generally cut after a while. And the ones that performed the best, I eventually made one of them my business partner. I gave him uh, half the company eventually um, because he was making me so much money and so invested in it. And, um, you know, I, I it, it's nice to unburden myself because there's a lot of responsibilities that come with being a business owner that sometimes having a partner makes it easier. So, Oh, and I think it's interesting because in both of those settings as a paramedic and as like a DJ, they are sort of on their own as well. So it, it makes sense to me that that sort of setup works and is more often used. But I think I've never, like I've only ever worked really in not full corporate environments, but in more like, you know, a hundred plus employee settings. And it's just like, they plugged me in to the machine. Right. So there wasn't, so it's, I don't know if it's the case if I just always worked for like suboptimal companies, but I never felt like I was getting developed as a leader, as a self-owner. I had one job where it was sort of like I was a self-owner, um, but it was like a simple job and there was no 
like development trajectory. It was just, okay, I'm a self owner and I'm right. good at my job. And that was it. Um, yeah. Well, and, but, and that's, that's part of the nature of large corporations too, right? Like for your business to get grow and become large and to become a certain size, what you have to do is institutionalize rules and algorithms of how things get accomplished so that they can well, be I don't rep- think replicatable. That's- I don't think that's necessarily the case, though. Some companies you hear of, they have like a sort of fast track. They can find certain people who they let outside of that system, right? And there's a new like idea of like... Oh, but you, you, you need to, to make it more efficient, let's say, you need policies and procedures and guidelines. Like this is how we do this particular task. This is just the way we yeah. figured out is the best and this is what we expect all employees to do right and eventually those policies uh, you know that that allows your company to expand but in it also uh creates a hazard in that um you you t- companies and i've seen this in multiple corporations that i've worked for they tend to focus on so so you then have hr policies right what you can and can't do at work and and then everything becomes focused on the problem employees, the people that aren't following the procedures, that aren't following the policies. And mm-hmm. there's very little effort put into um, providing nurturing for your star performers, right? And quite often there isn't any real clear avenues for them to get ahead in, you know, like right. and especially so I'm in a union environment or something like that, right? Right. And so I'm saying I think that a system like this, which I've honestly not encountered in, you know, my dozen or so jobs would help sort of from the beginning in someone's first six months as an employee or four months as an employee shift into two tracts basically. And you could manage them differently and help like, like, and basically have it systematized that, okay, there are these employees who are the employees who follow the rules and you need those in every organization, but the more, let's call it entrepreneurial minded people who want to be an owner, right? Like who want, like, if you think of like, the little Silicon Valley ecosystem and like, mm-hmm. you know, these massive companies have people run their own businesses and then they acquire them and then they run it internally and then they go start their own business again and then they acquire it and run it internally. You could have like within a company, you could have a similar system, right? You could have that. Yes. There are the people who are the owners and this sort of thing. And yeah, there's always going to be like, you know, when, uh, when she was working on certain tasks, she had to do them the way I wanted them done. I don't want yeah. them done in some random yeah, yeah. way. There's still a set of rules, but it's sort of the orientation is like, you know, 30 to 50% rule implementation at most. Right. And the rest is generation. And, and it's, if she, if it's a creative endeavor, right. Then it's also, Oh, well, you're developing the rule set that others will have to follow. Right. Yes. Because I've not ventured in this area before. Right. And so it's a different yeah. orientation. And I think the most important thing is, you know, as as a in the future, as a mentor, I'm definitely going to be using a similar approach of starting to like for because I've I'd always been presented it as like one or the other, either sink or swim and help them take ownership and this sort of thing, or they're just going to do tasks forever. I'd never, enc- I'd never encountered a sort of hybrid approach. And I think it's definitely, uh, it was a valuable learning experience for me. And I think it was very valuable uh, for this intern as well. And, I, I, and I'm interested to see how it sort of manifests. So if you say it's worked really well um, yeah. in your businesses too, then, then that's you know, even better. And it's like, how do you sort of merge that thing is, 
in a in an organization. You know, I hope to have thousands of employees. How do you build an organization that still can leverage this self-ownership and not have, you know, most people or many people be a cog in the machine, right? Yeah, and that's that's where the challenge comes in, right? Because once you hit that uh, Dunbar ratio of 150 employees, um, thing organizations take a pretty big shift, and that you know that's because the human mind can only have, or you know, the Dunbar ratio is is the ratio of uh, primate brain size to meaningful social relationships. And so for, I think, chimps, it's about 20 or something like that. For humans, it's about 150 uh, meaningful relationships. And you'll see this over and over again in organizations. Once they get above 150, the dynamic change, it goes from that kind of environment where it's it's much easier to foster an entrepreneurial mindset. And you're always kind of communicating with those 150 people one-on-one throughout a work week. And you're all staying on track and focused on the mission and focused on the common ground that you're both, you know, the, the thing that is attracting you, like, and you may be attracted to that company's success for different reasons. You know, you, it might be per profits of the company for that person. It might be personal development and increasing their career potential and stuff like that, but it's still serving the same function, but you're constantly reminding yourself of that. Now, once it gets above 150, what I've noticed happen in organizations is they start to become more institutionalized um, and more rule centered, right? So now you're you come in as an employee, it's not about serving the company's mission, that it's going to serve your mission, that's going to elevate you. Because pretty soon, it, there becomes all these this red tape for you from getting from this, this promotion to that promotion, you got to, and then it's all about following the rules. And you bring in managers to make sure employees are then following those rules. And so it's, you know, the, the challenge you're going to have as you grow your organization is once you hit different levels, and I think at about 150, you'll notice uh, well, this this start to change a little bit. Is how do you maintain that entrepreneurial mindset? And it, it can be done, I think, but it, I think it's going to be challenging. It's interesting, and it's this is honestly the thing I've been most interested in, like as long as I can remember, since at least like age 22, like organizational development. Like even my when I was like coming up with, oh, I think I have like a billion dollar media company idea. It was like, what a good means to an end of being able to figure out this problem, right? right? But it's interesting you say about 150 because the number that kept sticking in my mind in terms of the way I want to manage is basically to have five people who each have uh, five people below them. So like, so think of there, the, there's five divisions of an organization and each division has five managers and 20 employees per manager, and that's it. Are you still there? Well, Tim's frozen, but I think I'm still recording. So basically, you'd have five managers. And so you have 20 to one and then one to uh, five to one. And so like within each sort of division, you only have about 120 people. And then within the entire organization, you max out at about 500. And then if you ever get to a size beyond that, you need to uh, then shift. You need to then go to um, like a new company, basically. And he's gone. And so what do you guys all think about this? Tim has dropped off of the face of the planet. Maybe he'll rejoin in a minute. But yeah, I think this is an interesting way to manage people. I, I think it was a fascinating learning experience for me. And it definitely, it definitely 
makes sense um, in terms of, you know, in professions like Tim was talking about, where people are inherently self-owners, where they are more responsible for themselves because either they're out there on their own or it's a high uh, high stress situation. But it's about how do you figure to, how do you systematize that into, you know, a robust organization? Um, so let us know your thoughts and, um, you know, thanks for tuning into the Liberty Experts. Uh, you can head over to uh, thelibertyexperts.com to support us and stay tuned. Uh, this next year is going to be pretty exciting for us. Um, there's a lot coming your way.